strange stories of peculiar people and extraordinary events throughout history. This is Notorious Narratives. Sometimes even good wine comes with a screw top. Hi, and welcome to Notorious Narratives. I'm Robin. I'm Jen. And today we are going to talk about Pompeii and Mount Vesuvius. I haven't heard about this since I was in seventh grade. Well, welcome to the show, because now you're going to learn a lot more. Thank you. I mean, I made a diorama, but... A diorama? Yeah. How do... There was a diorama. How do you make a diorama of Pompeii? I forget. There was a shoebox involved. A lot of... Uh, what is that? The, the Paper mache. Paper mache. I don't think there was paper mache. I think it was literally all made out of, like, the paperboard for, like, shoeboxes. Oh, <laughs> just you folded it and something looks like a head. It's a lot of creative cutting. Got it. Got it. So Mount Vesuvius, a volcano near the Bay of Naples in Italy, is hundreds of thousands of years old. This volcano has also erupted more than 50 times. Mm -hmm. The most famous eruption took place in a year of 79 AD when the volcano buried the ancient Roman city of Pompeii under a thick carpet of volcanic ash. Ash. One witness has documented the ashes as being poured across the land like a flood and shrouded the city in darkness, like the black of a closed, unlighted room. A witness from 79 AD? Mm-hmm. There are actually documentaries and diaries that, because there are survivors of Pompeii. There are actually, I mean, they're not alive now. No. I mean, cl- clearly. No, but they wrote down their description of that night based on a first experiences. I mean, unless the, it was like, have you ever seen The Only Lovers Left Alive? Yeah. <laughs> maybe, so. maybe, 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 but they said that it was uh, a darkness. It wasn't, it wasn't a darkness like you go outside and you see the moon up high or a sunset or starry night. It was as if you turn a light off in a dark room and it was complete darkness. So it's like my bedroom cave. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. So Pliny the Younger. All right. That's his name. Pliny sure. the Younger. He was a witness of the eruption. <laughs> as opposed to Pliny the Older. Well, yeah. Pliny the fatter. Pliny the plain. (laughs) Pliny the average. Poor Pliny. He probably got this. (laughs) Or she. I don't know. They probably got this in their entire life. That's a good point. You don't even know. Yeah. That might be a woman. So poor Pliny, the younger, a witness of the eruption, quoted the experience as darkness fell, not the dark of the moonless, just like I just said before, or cloudy night, but as if a lamp had been turned off in a dark room. This darkness that Pliny describes is known as what drew the final curtain, so to speak, on the era in Pompeii. Was Pompeii like a happening city? It was. It was like it was. It was filled. I mean, I'll get more into it. People like to party. It. People like to get down. I mean, I saw Caligula. Is it like there Caligula? Were, in the writings that uh, that I have, there were certain buildings for parties. There were certain buildings for different um, occasions. There were more than twenty thousand people in the city, and back then, that's a really big amount of people for such a small community. Okay, it was so, it was, a, so it was a cosmopolitan place, mm-hmm. but not like Caligula. Oh no, no. It was not orgies and anal fisting, Mm-mm. is what you're saying. Got it. So 2,000 people died in Pompeii, and the city w- was abandoned ever since then. So when a group of explorers rediscovered the site in 1748, they were surprised to see that underneath the ash and debris, the city of Pompeii was mostly intact. The buildings, artifacts, and even skeletons of people left behind in the buried city have taught us a great deal about the everyday life in the ancient world. 
Ever since the ancient Greeks settled in the area in the 8th century, the region around Mount Vesuvius and the Bay of Naples attracted wealthy vacationers who wanted to soak up the sun and the scenery. By the turn of the 1st century, the town of Pompeii, located about 5 miles from the mountain, was flourishing resort for Rome's most distinguished citizens. Elegant housing and villas lined the streets, tourists and townspeople even, and even the slaves, bustled in and out of the small factories and artisan shops and taverns, cafes, brothels, and bathhouses. And this is in before the volcano or after? Before. Okay. Before, like... Uh, brothels so th- and bathhouses. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm focused on. You know, I have a filthy mind. <laughs> Broth- brothels and bathhouses. This is all because when, um, when Pompeii was uh, destroyed in 79 AD, so this is all prior before that. Okay. People gathered in the 20,000-seat arena and lounged in open-air squares and marketplaces. This was a very flourishing part of Italy. It was it was a beautiful area. Um, they had different areas for different reasons. So this was for only planting. This was only for bathhouses, whatever. And this, you know, because um, they also had areas. So they had the first zoning committee is what you're saying. Pretty much because okay. they had different areas as well that had different um, types of terrains that would help gather water every time it rained. So they had like, the water ponds there and this and the water. One of the water ponds was the bathhouse. They just and it constantly got flourished with more rain every single time. So it's not like they always bathed in the same water every single time. Every time it rained, it got replenished. Well, that is very modern of them to drain the bath and re- refill it. Well, they also used it to drain out to the gardens and use it as water for the gardens. Huh, that's smart. I mean, it was. Yeah. It's everything was always recycled. Multi-purpose. It was, it was a very flourishing city. Absolutely. Hi, everybody. I'm Katie Segal. And I'm Kurt Sutter. And welcome to our new podcast called Pi, People, Influences, and Experiences. Yes, it's sort of the uh, get to know you at a deeper level, the who, what, when, where, and why you are rather than what it is you do. Absolutely. We're not going to talk too much about what people do. We just want to know about their families, where they come from, you know, what shapes their parenting if they have kids, what shapes their marriages if they're married. We just want to be really nosy. We want to get in there. A deep dive into nature and nurture. And we started it because there are a lot of people that we don't know that we are curious about. And I have no friends, so for me, it's, you know. Trying to get them out of the house. Listen to it on whatever you listen to. (laughs) Podcasts on yeah, podcast your, 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 your podcasting apparatus. Watch it on the YouTube. He's aging himself. So since its rediscovery in the 1700s, the site. The look on your face tells me that the sentence you wrote makes no sense. No, for some reason there's the word gas, and I mean there's no reason. There's no reason why the word gas is being. Was it supposed to be has? Yeah. So, since its rediscovery in the 1700s, the site has ho- hosted an ever-growing succession of treasure hunters and archaeologists. Pompeii, as an archaeological site, is the longest continuing excavated site in the world. Early archaeologists saw that the disaster of Pompeii's final days was a primary draw of unearthing buildings and streets as they stood at the time of volcanic eruption. How much would you love? I, I don't even want to talk about it. Shut me. You just shut me down. <laughs> no. I was like, hey, please. maybe we'll segue and have a chat about how much we would enjoy to unearth like a building and you're like i can't talk about it i love it too much because it's still going on today these excavations in pompeii are still there it's still i I can't 
I, I, I'm, I'm just gonna move on. So Steve Ellis, a professor at the University of Cincinnati and the co-director of the Pompeii Archaeological Research Project, says that the excavations that are being done today are for the interests in the development of the city and the growth and the fall of the city at the time of the eruption. Ellis's team is also interested in the corner of the city near Porta Stabia. I by the, you. Yeah, by the gate over there. <laughs> that it, um, it's still a bit like off the beaten path. And people are still trying to figure out why and why that is such an area that was kind of closed off to the surrounding area. And they think that maybe they can find something different that's underneath the ground from there. We'll post as many pictures as we can about this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that I'm going to talk about that they there are a lot of photographs from these excavations and a lot of proof of life, unfortunately, because it's unsettling to say, but it's also very interesting to say. So Ellis believes that this was the lost neighborhood because of that little section of um, Porta Stabia. He believes that it was a lost neighborhood because it looked to have been excavated, but then left alone and then the jungle and vegetation grew. So lots of the research has centered on the public buildings and breathtaking villas that, that portrayed the artistic side of the Roman emperor world. So the reason why Ellis decided to excavate Pompeii was because he was actually quoting, or not really quoting, but he was actually saying that we are trying to see how the other 98% of the people lived in Pompeii. And that's really relative to today. It's strange to see this in history on how they still did it back then. Yeah, you're talking about all these like beautiful villas and like yeah, yeah. the bathhouses and like the places where there was music, yeah. but I'm sure that was not for everyone. No. And I'm sure not everyone was welcome there. Well, what's funny is that in this in this reading, and like the it's slaves, the gladiators, the slaves, the slaves. Like these people were not. But these people who the these tourists that came to Pompeii, they brought their slaves with them. Yeah, I mean, and for every one person like that came there as a wealthy individual, they came with an entourage. Mm-hmm. These are people who were waited on hand and foot. Yeah, so I thought that was really interesting on what Ellis had to say about how like you know this was this was them and trying that area to see how of- the other ninety percent lived in Pompeii. Yeah, that like area of the Porta... Porta Stabia. Porta Stabia. Is that like he thought that... It was an unruly area. He, th- he That was like the bad neighborhood. It was the other side of the track. M- maybe, maybe, yeah. Because he saw that there was evidence of some type of excavation there. But then it was kind of like, okay, oh, never mind. Let's go to someplace it different. It wasn't beautiful. So they were just like, let's move on. See if we can maybe. find something else fancy. Like they didn't find it to be valuable in like the 18th century when it was initially excavated. No, no. And then they just let it like just let it go and then the jungle and vegetation just outgrew it but because the vegetation was not as prompt as every, everyone else they can tell that someone had touched this area right, right, right. and they saw different like things this area has been touched by someone at one point why let's break this down because this is where the other people live that weren't the rich and famous of Pompeii because so, there is more outside of LA than just Hollywood absolutely so while Ellis's quest is knowledge on how the people of Pompeii lived Stanford University's Gary DeVore The project co-director notes that the eruption still resonates because of the intimate connection it created between both past and the present. He states, in quotes, I remind myself all the time that I can investigate in such detail this ancient Roman culture as a direct result of a great human disaster, end quote. Because everything there is like very well preserved, right? Mm Because it's like been under the ash. So really able to do like a nice like deep dive. It's beautifully preserved. 
some of these photos that I've seen. I like, can't wait to look at the photos. It's beautiful. It's absolutely, and of course you can find all this information, a whole bunch of stuff, but we can post something when we, when we of air course, this on yeah. like the different websites that we found this information on. But Pompeii's history is known as more of a Greek tragedy. People who came to settle in Pompeii originally came to the area of the Roman port city because of its fertile soil which is basically the product of the years of volcanic ash mixed with the dirt. So yet that very same volcano that gives great soil would also cost the lives and a livelihood of 10 to 20,000 inhabitants in 79 AD. I remember my diorama making like a farm. Well, yeah. Well, uh, fun fact, people still build their homes on the rubble of the outskirts of Pompeii because they use the rich soil and because the rich soil, because honestly, there's 50, 50 or so eruptions of, Pom- of Mount Vesuvius. So those eruptions, it's just dirt, ash, dirt, ash, dirt, dirt, ash. And they keep building on this property because it's great for winemaking. I mean, that's right up our alley. They constantly, con- like constantly rebuild their, wa- their wineries and their vineyards because the soil is so rich with nutrients and vitamins that it's We should try to find some wine from Pompeii. Oh my God. Let's, let's look it up. I bet we can find it. Or at least maybe just like try to find a distributor that will send us some dirt from there and build our own thing. Robin, we're not going to grow grapes and make wine. You never That's know. You can, crazy. you have a backyard for it. I mean, I do have grapevines in my backyard, yeah. but. Can you imagine if you mix that soil with volcanic ash soil from Pompeii? I'm totally Googling Pompeii wine. So for archaeologists and even present day visitors, the real thrill of Pompeii is that the most mundane aspects of life have been preserved for centuries beneath all of volcanic ash. Graffiti still covers the walls. Some of the excavated bakeries still had loaves of bread in the oven. Homes of the wealthy merchants still had walls that were adorned with frescoes that showed scenes from classical mythology. Everything is so still beautiful and so intact. So that is just one of the one things or of out of many that the archaeologists love about this scenery because yeah. you're you're unearthing a whole life and a whole a whole different type of world. So one of the most moving sites is called the Garden of the Fugitives, which displays pl- plaster casts of some of the victims in their final moments of life and shows the connection of the people who have lived together and died together during this time. There is an actual part that these people that were uncovered are still holding hands and you can still tell of a head and arms and legs and body movement and there are some pictures that you will see of them reaching so like arms and arms so like they're reaching for a loved one or reaching for a child or reaching for someone and so you you see the action of that time of despair it's an action of despair that has been casted in history i don't want to say disturbing because it's not disturbing you know it's always important to bear witness to tragedies throughout history Mm -hmm. and to own that you know, human yeah. suffering is yeah. always with us. But at the same time, that's always a very powerful image. It's a to very see powerful image. People it's in those just, poses. They, they're just, they're frozen in time. And they're frozen in a way that they're trying to escape. But they're also trying to save. They're trying to save each other. They're trying to figure out what to do. What's going on. They can't turn around this way because there's... 3,000 people behind them, they can't turn this way because that's not where their wife or children are. They want to go this way instead. So you see that kind of torment in the figure's positions on how they're reaching for someone or there's one that their hands are up, kind of like trying to cover their head. And everything is so still life 
that imagine a mannequin that is just covered in clay and that's what these all these sites are they're just people covered in ash that are just stilled in time it's 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 a beautiful site it's unfortunate for the event of course but it's definitely something i think that people should see because i think that it just gives a, a, a knowledge of history so in 2016 excavations on the outskirts of pompeii revealed more victims and more volcanic eruptions they discovered the remains of four people including one teenage girl in the ruins of a shop today's great challenge is preservation of what has been uncovered but volcanic ash long protected pompeii but much of it has now been uncovered to the elements for a few years i mean just think about it like every time you uncover something more damage is being done so the more they excavate pompeii without full protection of everything that they excavate i mean they can't the cover elements. the whole city yeah exactly so elements are, are attacking these things and they're ruining the things that they're finding so the combination of weather and pollution and even tourists have created a real danger of losing much of what was luckily flat, uh, found and, and and what was preserved robin hmm. i will say this to you with all the love of my heart you have made it very difficult for me to be snarky sarcastic and funny tonight so i'm going to change the subject because mm-hmm. i need to lighten it up you can buy wine from Pompeii. Can you really? The name of the winery is Pompeii. Oh no, wait, it's even better than that. The Villa di Mystery. Oh my god. Also known as the Villa of Mysteries. One of the villas. And you can get this wine for 95 euros, which I think is about 120, 130 dollars. So if we make it to 100 episodes, we're gonna get Pompeii wine, right? I completely agree. Yeah. If we, for our 100th episode, we will have Pompeii wine. I had no idea that that was like... And we can't forget. Because I knew. I knew because... I'll get into it, but the last eruption was like the 1940s. So based on between 79 AD all the way up into the 1900s, there have been about 50 eruptions that, that have been known. And every time an eruption happen, happened, they rebuilt and they rebuilt and they rebuilt. And sometimes you would think that, well, they didn't know any better. Wouldn't you think that maybe they would learn a lesson and go somewhere else? But they didn't because they stayed on the ground because they I mean, knew the value even, of the soil. Right. And you can't even say that because like, the entire island chain of Hawaii volcanic. Uh, there's actively like there's a volcano actively erupting there now. Mm-hmm. Like there's lava pouring into the ocean, creating new islands. And you know what people are doing? They're nothing. Continuing about okay. their days. Yeah. Unless it's actively affecting them, they're not dealing with it. So like people aren't gonna leave areas because of that. I mean that's Well no, no, no well no, their homes were destroyed and they just keep rebuilding. And they'll just keep rebuilding it. Right. Because rebuild like, and rebuild and rebuild. At the end of the day you need that sweet volcano dirt. <laughs> you need that ash. Get that sweet ash. So here are some fun facts. So Mount Vesuvius in 2013 was 4,023 feet tall. After each eruption. Hold on. Is that a mile? No, it's less than a mile. Okay. A mile is like 5,000 something. You always know those things. After each eruption, the size of the cone changes, right? So the cone is like the tip and whatever. That's what she said. Just the tip. So it also has a semicircle ridge called Mount Soma that rises 3,714 feet. The valley between the cone and Mount Soma is called Val di Gigante or Giant's Valley. It really sounds like it's going to be giant. <laughs> So the volcano is classed as a complex stratovolcano because its eruptions typically involve explosive eruptions and pyroclastic flows. Pyroclastic flows is a high density mix of hot lava blocks, pumice, ash, and volcanic gas. So the shit would make an amazing scrub is what you're saying. Oh, absolutely. Right? Oh, can you imagine? 
Volcanic ash and pumice. I kind of... Pompeii scrub. Is it pumice? I said pumice. It's pumice? I think it's pumice. I'm telling you. Pompeii scrub. Can you imagine scrub. a pedicure with this stuff? Pompeii scrubs. Oh my god. So Vesuvius and other Italian volcanoes called Campe Fligrei. Yeah, so I'm just going to say Campe. And Stromboli. <laughs> That's the other name of the Italian volcano. <laughs> See how fast I jumped over the Campe one? I'm like, it's, it's the other one's called Stromboli. The so, other one is a delicious Italian snack. There are meats, our, there are cheeses, there's bread, <laughs> everything you need. Anyway, so under, under Vesuvius, scientists have detected a tear in the African plate called the slab window allows heat from the wind, from the Earth's mantle layer to melt the rock of the African plate, which builds pressure that causes violent explosive eruptions. Why am I going this route? I'm going it this way because Mount Vesuvius is kind of a ticking time bomb. I was like, Robin, <laughs> I I don't like geography or no, geology. Geology is the rocks and yes. geography is the maps, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, I'm, I'm going to get to a point where we're going to just fear for our lives. So what you're saying is Vesuvius is like tick, tick, boom. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'm not going to review all 50 eruptions of Mount Vesuvius, but the last one recorded was known as the World War II eruption that occurred in March 7th, 1944. A two-week-long eruption began with lava, where soldiers and airmen of the 340th Bomber Group that were stationed at the Pompeii airfield and had to fly a few miles to the base of the volcano. Many documents tell the stories of the awesome sights and sounds that these people witnessed in this last major eruption. Guards wore leather jackets and steel pot helmets to protect themselves from the ash and hot rocks. Tents collapsed or caught on fire when hot cinders were blown over them. And on March 22nd, the airfield was notified to evacuate, leaving behind 88 Allied aircrafts. March 30th, they returned and they found all the planes that they left were completely destroyed. (laughs) You look in your face. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So I was a history major, right? I did a lot of European history, very intensely learned about World War II. Thing I never learned about World War II was that a volcano was erupting. Did anyone know that? Do people know that? I didn't know that, you know, 88 uh, aircrafts were left behind and they went back to gather everything that, but everything was lost. My thing is, how come they didn't move the aircrafts? A giant volcano. I'm sure volcano. that it's really difficult to fly when there's ash falling from the sky. But then how right? did everyone else leave? I don't know, a train or... You can't drag it? Boat? I mean... Something, you know, like move them somewhere. I understand I understand the ash in the air because not recently, a couple of years ago, was when the um, giant volcano in, in Iceland. Yes. In Iceland. So, and the planes couldn't fly, remember? Yeah. Like, so Mount Vesuvius has not erupted since that time, since 1944, but is still one of the most dangerous volcanoes in the world. Experts believe that another eruption is due any day, which will cause an almost unfathomable catastrophe. It's going to be a total catastrophe since almost 3 million people live within a 20 mile radius of the volcano's crater. Will there be like warning? I hope so. I don't know. Will it like rumble a bit first or like? I'm pretty sure there's heat sensors. Cause some minor earthquakes. A tremor at least. I mean, I'm sure that like there are, there's like a European geologic society. Or that maybe has like if sensors. you just look at it and you're like, why is that thing smoking? You know, it's it's not. It didn't boil yet. But like during but it's the seventy nine A D one, that didn't make them leave. They thought it there's was something the, else. Yeah, I there's feel no like. GTFO Pompeii. Yeah, the entire town was twenty thousand people. I mean, well, they used twenty thousand people as a measurement because the arena that was built there 
fill 20,000 people. And they all went there for different events. Right. You know? But they said that they want to say that right now they uncovered about 4,000 people. So a lot, a lot did escape. Okay. And there are a lot of documentations of these survivors. I guess that makes you feel better, but that's still like 20% of people. I know. That does not feel great. I know. So my next thing was talking about the wine making, but I already, I already talked about that. Oh my goodness. If I so tonight we are not wine. drinking Pompeii wine. We are not. We are drinking no. delicious twist-off cap wine that is called Auspician. So do you have any questions about Pompeii? I mean, it was... It's a wild ride, man. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I laughed. I cried. <laughs> I want wine. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's like any day that ends in a Y. The story of Pompeii and Mount Vesuvius. Just another notorious narrative. Have a show idea? Send it on over to us along with any questions, comments, or corrections to NotoriousNarratives at gmail.com. You can follow us on our Instagram at NotoriousNarratives and Twitter at NotoriousTales. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Every review helps other listeners to find us. Thanks so much.